everybody, welcome to the show. Um, Christ, what a time, huh? Uh, we recognize that there's a need to communicate some things about uh, how the land sale went, so I figured the easiest way to do so, barring the blog post that at this point you've already read, I assume, go read it if you haven't, it's a good time, is to put out a podcast with people who are at the eye of the storm, as it were, the epicenter of the land sale, dealing with everything prudent that's happening. And our hope is that throughout this episode, we'll be able to answer your most prudent questions, give a bit of an analysis on how the land sale went from our side, and in general, just uh, speak on the matter. So with me, I have Yoris and Lauren. Say hi, guys. Hey, everybody. Hey, everyone. Let's get right into it. Uh, you guys were there. Uh, this, this feels like a war report, uh, but <laughs> you guys were there when everything was going down. So uh, Yoris, most of all, dealing with the technical side of it. So give give us a rundown on how the land sale went from our perspective. So obviously things were a little bit bumpy, uh, as people have experienced. Um, there were some technical issues, uh, which we'll go into uh, into into this podcast uh, in more detail, uh, which which had to be resolved to continue the land sale. Um, one of them abolishing the parcels uh, mid land sale. Uh, we'll, we'll go into more details on on why we made that decision. Um, but yes, things have been a bit bit bumpy, but. Um, hoping to, to reassure everyone and telling them uh, what our plans are to resolve those issues for future land sales. Right. Well, let's let's start at the beginning, I guess. Uh, land sale went live, and how, how did that process shake out? So we, we got 25,000 people on the website, right? And that caused some small issues. Uh, our own site was having quite a, a tough time dealing with the, with the load, but it managed to handle the pressure. Then two external websites went down. The um, RPC endpoint for Matic went down and the Block Explorer went down. So just, just to emphasize for people, the Matic, or as it's now called Polygon, sidechain did not go down. The sidechain operated just fine, but the RPC endpoint, which is the thing you use to communicate with the sidechain, that one went down. Um, just due to the sheer amount of pressure, we talked to Matic as well afterwards, they'd never seen this much. <laughs> this much people using the endpoint at the same time. Um, so it just couldn't handle the amount of pressure. So because that went down, it also caused our map to desync because the map listens to the RPC endpoint for changes every time a plot of land is being bought and then updates the map and you know tells your browser that, that a plot has been sold. So it is grayed out. Um, because the RPC endpoint went down, the map syncing also went down. So that was great. Uh, then the block explorer went down, so we couldn't actually see how much had been bought because, you know, the block explorer keeps up to date how many elements had been sold. Uh, so that went down, so we couldn't see either. Um, but we talked to uh, to Polygon very quickly, and they scaled up the capacity of the RPC endpoints to make sure that that things stayed operational. Um, but yes, it was a delightful experience. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, from a technical perspective, from a technical perspective, you know, it's definitely a huge challenge. I think, you know, maybe for those somewhat less technically inclined, you know, uh, essentially when you set up something like this, yours, right, you tend to use a fair amount of third-party services that you rely on, 
right? And and even something like Matic or Polygon, right, has some third-party services like that RPC endpoint uh, or like those RPC endpoints that need to uh, remain operational uh, in order for people to at least have a decent view on what's going on and to obviously interact with the system itself. And I think just on all fronts, we saw that we hit uh, pretty much the highest capacity that these guys have ever seen. So obviously these third-party services all kind of struggle to stay up. Uh, I think we just recently sat down even, you know, I think probably one of the things that held up better was uh, a pinata with uh, IPFS, uh, our IPFS gateway. But even there, they, you know, we, we were analyzing that uh, they got like six million plus requests and one hour. Yeah. exactly <laughs> and eventually some of them started being blocked as being oh this this must be a ddos attack or something <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so basically behind the scenes as everything was unfolding on our end we were like you know feverishly talking to uh both you know all of our third party uh, suppliers to help them, you know, uh, understand that, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what we're seeing currently. This is what's failing. Sometimes it was hard to see what was failing because the very endpoints that allow us insight into what was happening were themselves going down due to pressure. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, working with them to resolve that load and then, you know, combine that with obviously, you know, this being the uh, the first uh, land sale from our end, you know, things weren't perfect technologically on our end either. We definitely also saw issues there that we had to correct on the fly. Uh, so all in all, it was, you know, uh, a, a night of, uh, well, let's say uh, round the clock uh, problem solving and coding for you, I think yours, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Jeff, definitely not to take blame away from ourselves. We definitely made mistakes, right? And, and I think that's perfectly fine to say. Uh, don't want to blame everything on third parties. Um, as, as ways to resolve these issues, um, for example, the RPC endpoint, we'll be setting up our own endpoints to kind of make sure we can monitor that and load balance it to make sure that we can scale the capacity as we need for, let's say, up to 100,000 people, right? So it can never go down. Um, so that's one thing we'll do. Um, we're also directly talking with Polygon uh, to make sure that for the next land sale, we'll go over with them over every like bottleneck that we're having um, and stress test the system beforehand to make sure that, that we can handle the capacity that, that Ember Sword requires. Um, same for Pinata and the IPFS gateway. It didn't go down, but it almost nearly went down. Um, so we're, we've also spoken with them to make sure that uh, they can handle the capacity and uh, make sure that, that uh, that that will continue to operate smoothly. Um, I'm not sure if I'm missing anything. Uh, there's some some map elements, but I think we got a few questions upcoming later in the podcast. So. Yeah, um, I wanted to to go to the to the end of the whole endeavor. Uh, did all of what you described feels like a bottleneck? How did you? essentially uncorked the bottle and let people in because after if i recall correctly after uh everything actually started working we sold out incredibly quickly yeah so i think i'm not exactly sure what time it was but it was like 12 o'clock central european time zone i think we abolished parcels and 
this allowed people to buy an individual plot directly uh, as opposed to buying the entire parcel at once. So essentially what happened was, and this might get a little technical, but please bear with me. So essentially what happened is that once you have a parcel, for example, uh, a city, which is four by four, it consists of 16 individual land plots. If any one of these has been sold, then you cannot buy the parcel, right? The, the entire transaction for the parcel fails. So 15 are still available, one is gone, uh, the entire parcel transaction does not go through. Right? Yeah. And I believe also technically, if uh, you know, if the fetching of the metadata for any of those things in there would fail, right? Which you know was on some cases being blocked, that might be a reason exactly. for it to fail, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So any kind of you know uh, small failure in a single parcel in a uh, <laughs> oh sorry in a single plot in a parcel could essentially lead that whole parcel transaction to fail. Yeah. And this also kind of fed into the RPC endpoint part because sometimes uh, the, the transaction itself, like the buy order, uh, wouldn't go through because the endpoint was down, which is also used to like submit transactions onto the network. Um, uh, which uh, I think around 10, 11 o'clock or so uh, Central European time, uh, Polygon scaled up their capacity to make sure that it could handle the, the amount of traffic. Um, but so, so a single uh, plot might have been sold in a city, um, and this happened by people bypassing the website entirely and invoking the smart contract directly. Um, so basically what that means is that someone doesn't use the embersort.com website, but they send a message directly to the smart contract to say, hey, I want to buy this specific plot, um, which means that you could buy a plot in, a in an entire city, and then you couldn't buy the rest of the city, right? So because that transaction couldn't go through anymore. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. Is that the reason we decided to unparcel, or were there other factors and playing into this? That is essentially the reason we decided to unparcel it because it would yeah. allow people to, you know, buy uh, individual plots of a of a town or city. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and obviously at the time when this was happening, it was very hard to even keep track of uh, this happening or or when this happened because a lot of the data was coming in significantly delayed. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the block you know, explorer was behind three hours or so. It was it was very annoying. <laughs> Yeah, so we didn't have an actual up-to-date uh, image of what exactly what was going on with all the land while the sale was going on. So a lot of these things are also things that we could only fully see afterwards. You know, so this is one of those things where you know, if provided with real-time data, it might have been easier to act more quickly and more appropriately. But because the very sources of that real-time data were also inaccessible to us, it became very tough for us to. Uh, have have a guess at what was going on. Yeah, yeah. And a workaround to this is just to set up your own uh, Matic node or Polygon. I should stop calling it Matic. Your own Polygon <laughs> node. Um, so you have your own node which has the full history of the blockchain, and then you can you know you can ensure that that one stays up, and you're not reliant on on public services. Right? Yeah, maybe a few in uh, in future cases. Uh, maybe a couple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, considering that this was our first land sale uh, and, and a relatively small one, right? Because we only sold a chunk of Solarwood. Um, we do kind of expect that future sales are going to be significantly larger. So we definitely need to be prepared for those. 
Yeah, exactly. There's definitely going to be some in the pipeline that are going to be bigger than the one we've seen here. It was also, I think, you know, a, a very conscious decision. I mean, the process of even preparing a land sale like this, you know, takes a lot of time, right? I mean, this is a, you know, this is a multi-month process to prepare for this. Um, you know, both in terms of all the legalities uh, and all the technology involved. Uh, so obviously, you know, if you want to be super efficient at it, you might be like, well, let's just sell a whole lot of land. Right. And I think, you know, our intentional decision here was not to sell a whole lot of land, but to actually limit ourselves to, you know, what is essentially maybe, you know, seven and a half percent of the available land in, in the game world entirety in its entirety or so, uh, just to make sure that we have a good sort of, you know, <laughs> uh, first run baseline. Exactly. Yeah, because yep. I, you know, I, I, I scarcely uh, can remember a first time sale that was relatively popular where, you know, not at least a few things failed. And, you know, I think that that law kind of repeated itself uh, for our land sale. And hopefully we'll have, you know, by now gathered all the data we need and learned all the lessons we need to learn so that in future sales, these things will just become smoother and smoother. Definitely. Well, we've, we've gone through you know, uh, what the land sale was like for us. We, we've mentioned what we can improve, but as always, we we can't really think of everything on our own because we exist within the company and we have a particular view of how things operate. Uh, thankfully, we have a wonderful community who had a lot of suggestions uh, on how things can be improved and we extrapolated some questions from them. So I would like to go into some of those, if that would be okay, to just uh, assuage some, some concerns. Um, so here we go. Sure, go ahead. Um, the communication during the Lands Hill was very interesting in that uh, there was a lot of information being, you know, going through back and forth. And that led into the community mods in particular uh, being very overwhelmed. Um, how are we planning on fixing this in the future? Right. So on that end, it was it was it it was really I, th I think a lot of people. I mean, you can imagine this, Fetlin, because you were there for the process. But I think a lot of people cannot imagine what goes on in you know a Discord community, for example, of almost uh, twenty thousand or maybe by now over twenty thousand uh, registered users in the midst of such a land sale, right? There was literally mods that were uh, recording the amount of dings that they were getting on Discord from direct messages sent to them, and you know it was at a rate of more than one a second. So everyone was getting was getting spammed, obviously, with with questions, with remarks, uh, sometimes just with you know people who were very upset because they couldn't for some reason get in, or you know their purchase had failed for the tenth time that they tried to do. Um, but but, you know, obviously that's, that creates a huge overload. So uh, what we did during the, uh, during the moment itself, obviously with, you know, most of the technical team and a lot of other people working with partners and technology to ensure that, uh, you know, whatever issues exist were fixed. Uh, our community mods basically uh, sort of locked down or time delayed some channels, right? Set, set, set a kind of a time limited mode on some channels just to avoid uh, everything being drowned out by people uh, shouting random stuff. So basically we, uh, we moved it up in such a way that we try to centralize the 
communications of the mods in one particular channel, the support channel. And, you know, there's a bunch of lessons to be learned there, really. I think just in general, you know, our community has been growing so rapidly that it's been, you know, tough to keep up the pace. So one of the things we've already started doing is expanding our community management team and actually hiring for community management roles. Um, you know, obviously we have some people like Svetlin uh, out there interacting with the community, but we're definitely going to need a lot more with how the community has grown. And beyond that, uh, I think, you know, a lot was learned in that regard also where, you know, the community managers will in future undoubtedly be more prepared for this kind of, you know, frenzy that occurs with a sort of clearer plan of how to make sure that uh, in between the chaos, if there is any kind of chaos, right, with lots of people just coming in and asking questions. And, you know, sometimes these are, you know, these things will always happen. Like there's literally people asking how they could get their, you know, their ETH wrapped uh, and on Matic uh, somewhere, you know, several hours after the, the land sale started. So you're always going to be bombarded with interest and with people with questions. And it's important to see how we can get the right responses out there and readable for everyone. And at the same time, direct everyone into the right channel. So there's definitely a lot to learn and improve there uh, to help with that feed. And hopefully, you know, as we grow our community management team, it'll also be easier to simultaneously be communicating on all channels. I'm pretty sure we'll have quite the nerve center set up for the next real-time land sale that occurs. Yeah. <laughs> it'll look like NASA Capcom, I would envision. Whereas now it looked like NASA's Capcom only in a closet. <laughs> <laughs> That's an app metaphor, I believe. Um, I wanted to touch upon, uh, you mentioned establishing a baseline with the sale, and part of that was announcing things in a timely manner. Why did we wait to announce some things, and why did we announce them the way we did? Right, well, this kind of ties into the notion that uh, preparing such a land sale is quite a process, and there's a lot of you know pieces in motion. And in our case, for example, you know, I'll, I'll give, I'll take take the most obvious example, the map, right? Uh, we literally released the map the moment we were sure it was accurate, it was correct, it contained everything that was going to be sold, all the, you know, all the demarcations were in order, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And those things just, you know, literally, you know, things were being, you know, lists were being generated, minting was being done in the background, and those things were literally only ready when they were supplied. Now, that is a typical sort of first time issue because now we have a standard for this and obviously for future sales, it'll be super easy for us to make sure the full map is accessible uh, long before the, you know, the next say on map land sale goes live. And you know that that goes for uh, that goes for quite a few things. And the other thing is, of course, we were uh, dealing at the same time with the finalization of uh, quite a massive investment round, uh, and that also tends to put some limits on what you can and cannot communicate quite yet. So these kinds of things tend to, you know, in conjunction, be quite a challenge. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's important to mention this since we essentially were very, we were dodging raindrops, as it were, when it came to our communication. And we wanted to communicate things as 
soon as they were set in stone so that people would be very much prepared for everything that was to come. And I do believe, uh, even considering the circumstances, we did a decent job of doing that. Um, you did touch upon uh, the map being available in future sales, which was going to be my next question. Just to reiterate, uh, what can they, what can people expect in terms of map availability? Yeah, so very simply put, uh, when we announce uh, future land sales in all likelihood, uh, upon the moment when, uh, let's say, you know, a, a map-based land sale, on, on, on land sales that will be occurring in a sort of similar formula to the one that we've had before, but obviously with some number of improvements that we're already working on making, on those, I think pretty much once the countdown starts, so, you know, let's say two weeks or so before the sale, you already have access to the map. Yeah. Uh, the next one is a question that I came across quite frequently during the land sale and uh, the time following it. And this is one I believe Yoris can, can handle quite, quite well because we did spend a bit of time discussing it. Um, how are we going to deal with people bypassing the website in future? So in to, to, to summarize the technical aspects, essentially we're going to make a more centralized setup in the sale where people have to go through the website. So what you can do now is because a blockchain is basically just a public database, anyone can send a message to the blockchain at any time and, and buy something, right? That's essentially what you're doing when you buy something on the website. It's not our website sending a message, but it's your browser sending a message to the blockchain. So what we'll be doing instead is making, like forcing people to go through the website where only the contract creator, which is in, it, in this case us, is allowed to invoke a specific function on the contract. And so you have to go through the website to buy a specific plot of land. So circumventing it and invoking the smart contract directly becomes completely impossible. Yeah, I think this is, a, this is always like a, you know, a, a bit of a, a, a back and forth because uh, on the one hand, you try to do as much as possible on chain as possible and try to build an infrastructure uh, and I know yours is also a big fan of this you know where uh, it's you know it's trustless right it's on the chain we can't fake it if you put your money in you're for sure going to get that particular piece of land if that land's not available you'll get your money back right there's nothing we can do there but you know at the same time the reality is we have to deal with you know, legal frameworks and things like that, that require us to get at least some information from you. And we have to deal with, uh, you know, a situation where we want everyone to have an even playing field when it comes to making these purchases, at least as much as we can possibly do it. And so for that reason, you know, conclusion from this sale is very clearly that we should make sure there is absolutely no way, no matter how, you know, technically uh, inclined and uh, uh, let's say uh, intent on getting your hands on the land you are to bypass the system that everyone gets to use to get to their piece of land. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the trustless like ecosystem that blockchain provides, but it is very important to us that we get a nice, I guess, what's the word? Uh, like separation of, of the land buyers. So we get a, a large chunk of buyers and get actual gamers into the game and not just yeah. crypto investors. Yeah, you're kind uh, of talking about a broad distribution of sorts. Uh, a broad distribution, yeah, that's that's a good way to put it, yeah. Yeah, because that's, you know, that that is one of the things that, uh, 
luckily, if you look at the, the stats of uh, the land sale as it went, there is actually quite a broad distribution of ownership if you if you compare this to quite a lot of other sales that have occurred even you know in in the surrounding periods right yours yeah i think uh, due to a bit of chaos uh, the a lot of like smaller buyers have been able to to scoop up a plot of land or a part a, uh, a settlement so uh, in spite of the of the chaos uh, it it did work out pretty well for the for the smaller people that managed to just uh, scoop up a bunch of plots instead of whales buying up a very large chunks yeah no that's some that's some nice silver lining um i did want to touch upon um the tutorials are we going to spend some more time updating them people were very adamant absolutely about... yeah so what one of the more important things that we have to do is educate the community in that sense right so make clear guides uh video tutorials uh, nice visuals that like, guide you through the entire uh, entire process. Uh, there were some people, uh, one person's, like we made a, a guide on how to set up a wallet and one person sent, I think, 0.3 Ethereum to the test wallet, which is about $800, right? Um, and, and we don't have the access to that wallet anymore. I didn't save it. It was just an example wallet. Um, but to ensure that people have a good user experience and don't just lose their money. Uh, we just covered the cost and sent them the money back. But this obviously can be avoided uh, if we have clearer guides and make the entire user experience a lot nicer. Because currently the user experience for crypto is just not good. Yeah. And this is also, you know, there's also a big difference there between, let's say, let's, you know, a web-based interaction where you're transacting with like large amounts of ETH or something like that uh versus uh, in-game interactions so those are two you know two rather different systems so you know luckily if you're looking at like you know how are we trying to handle that in game there's a lot of technology already out there and a lot of things we're working on that make that seamless that make it to the point that you can just you know hop in and even if you don't even own a wallet you know you have a custodial wallet with us and you know you can uh, afterwards link your metamask and transfer things out etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, but uh, but definitely you know if you look at uh, the the overall onboarding experience for something like a land sale uh, it just shows once again that uh, if you were to have that experience just to get into the game you know it would be monumentally tough to uh, raise adoption that's exactly you know one of the things that we're tackling with the game itself yeah i mean one of the core principles has always been simplicity and, and ease of use uh, and the blockchain is no exception to this so it, it also has to be very simple to use for people definitely well the following conversation has been redacted by order of the supreme chancellors of bright star studios to protect extremely sensitive company information top secret and this was this podcast uh, a bit of a deviation from the norm as there are less uh, tongue-in-cheek jokes in this one but uh, we really feel felt the need to approach this in a an open manner and communicate with everybody in as earnest a manner as we possibly could providing you as much valuable information as you deserve so thank you everybody for listening thank you to my guests for taking the time to answer these very very prudent questions and yeah <laughs> well, you know, hopefully in uh, in our next cast, we'll be able to, for example, cover a little bit more of how we see, you know, the notion of uh, building towards this game with the community. And I think that'll be some really great stuff to talk about. But for now, it was 
good to at least make sure we cover a lot of this stuff about the land sale for those people that were part of it and uh, still were left with uh, questions uh, when it comes to land and land sales in the future. Look at you doing your job or my job for me. You, you <laughs> teasing instead of me. You just saved me a lot of typing. Um, but yeah, uh, that is something to look forward to, everybody. So again, thank you for listening. Thank you to my guests for participating, and we will catch you next time. Goodbye. Hey you, you made it to the end. Congratulations! That must mean you like us enough to want more, right? Well, good news! We're all over the internet. Go to embersword.com and subscribe to our newsletter for a chance to play the game early, as well as the latest interesting tidbits on the game and the team. Join our lovely Discord community over at discord.gg embersword. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at PlayEmberSword for regular updates on what we're up to. And remember the basics. Drink water, be kind to each other, and spread the word about Ember Sword. <laughs> <laughs>